We have, we have a surprise for you this morning. Um, and uh, how many of you know the Bergs? How many of you know Gary and Linda and their daughter, Kayla? Would you honor them this morning and welcome them? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Gary, Gary has, uh, he leads prayer on Saturday here at the church, Saturday morning from nine until noon. And then he and John co-lead the evangelism team. And uh, Linda's there most Saturdays. I'll go, I'll go a lot of the time because uh, it's just a real precious time in the spirit. But as I've been getting to know Gary over all these, um, the time that you've been here, you've been here for several years, uh, at least a couple years. And, um, and we've been getting to know each other. But he began, yeah, could you give the worship team a thank you as well? Come on. Thank you guys so much. Love our worship team. But as I've been getting to know Gary, he began to share parts of their story with me. And I've been getting little sections of the testimony. And um, so finally, I just said, I, I asked Gary if, if they wouldn't mind sharing this testimony because I felt like it was a real timely word for today. And uh, that's why uh, I want to introduce Kayla, their daughter, to you as well. Um, if you haven't had a chance to meet Kayla. Because the story has to do with, with her mostly. And so I'm going to begin, though, and I'm going to have you pass that down to them. And then we'll give this mic to you, Kayla. And uh, if you guys don't mind sharing. Um, so I want to I talk to the parents, though, first, because um, this story has to do with Kayla. It has to do with um, raising children. And you guys, how long have you guys been born again, been living for God? Since 1994. Since 1994. <laughs> Only use it if you want us to hear what, we, what you're going to say. <laughs> Since 1994, so 20, 25 years, 20, five, six years. And so, and then you, how long, when, when did you receive Jesus the first time or prayed to receive him the first time? I was time? probably five or six. Okay. And so, did you grow up in a, like a Christian home, or how did, how were you raised? Yeah, I was raised very much in the church. Okay. And so, this, you know, Christianity was not odd to you, it was something that you were used to being around. And so, so as you're coming up, I know in culture, culture teaches us, or tries to teach us, and tell us that um, young kids are always going to have craziness in their life. They may rebel, you know, in, in seasons of their life. And I want to address that later, but I want you to share what began to happen to you as you, it sounded like as you entered your teens, some things begin to transition. So begin to tell the story for us. Okay. So I had a pretty regular childhood. Um, but whenever I turned about 16, I started having self-image problems. I started having an eating disorder. Um, I played sports. I made great grades in school. Um, but when I got to the age of 17, I started going to parties here and there. When I turned 18, I had some sexual trauma, and I did a 180 after that happened to me. And I started getting really into uh, drinking, drugs. Uh, I became a IV heroin user. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so it progressed, but it started with, when was that, um, Gary and Linda, did you notice the transition when, the, when she began to kind of pull away from, uh, from maybe you guys and the church or Christianity in general? Um, I think it was probably right around the time she was graduating is when she started to pull away. Yeah, mm -hmm. Okay. So started hanging out with certain types of people. You said you had this traumatic experience at 18. And so that was, so you were, so before that, were you drinking more socially? And then after that, it, what Yeah, at, in the beginning, it was more social drinking, um, going to parties here and there. But I played sports and stuff, so it wasn't very often. Okay. But after that happened, when I was 18, it was an everyday thing. Gotcha. 
But I'll say this, okay? If you are, if you are living for the Lord, right? And, and even if you can't see it, he'll talk to you, okay? He will show you. And I, okay, she was a jock. But the, the light started to turn dark over her, okay? I couldn't prove it. I couldn't put my finger on it. But she started to change. And all her friends were good friends, right? They were, they had, um, they were church members of other churches. And I would question my wife and say, you know, what are the, what are, what are her friends do? What are they up to, you know? And, uh, I, you know, she never got busted. She never got arrested at this time. And it was just like, but I, I could, you know, you can just feel shifts. And it, I, you know, I would, but I couldn't, you know, it's like, if you don't know, you don't know. And you just can't, you can't accuse people of things that you don't know. And uh, so that was in that, in that realm of time, you know, where it could have probably been, um, if I would have been obedient to what I was hearing and confronted it and confronted her friends um, and became more involved because society says a lot of times that we shouldn't be involved in our kids' life, that right. they just have their own life. Listen, as parents, get involved, yeah. you know? Get in their business. Yeah. See what they're doing on their phones. Yeah. See what they're doing. See who they're hanging out with. You know, you can you can hook up their phone. You can look in their phone, yeah. man. You can get in there and you can yeah. find out real quick what they're doing. Yeah. Just saying. Even if they try to hide it, you know, find somebody that's smarter and they can just go in there and they'll find the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 you were at the wrong place, hanging out with the wrong people when this experience happened at eighteen. Or at this party or wherever it was. Um, uh, yes, it was a graduation party. Okay. And so after that, I mean, what happened to you emotionally, spiritually on the inside? Could you tell things were changing or what, what were you going through? Um, I think I had already started pulling away from God a little bit. But after that, it kind of turned into um, I was really angry with him. And then I decided I didn't believe in him. Uh, I got a lot into the New Age stuff. I did a lot of the crystals, uh, you know, a lot of music festivals, a lot of uh, different things on the New Age side. So I completely changed my beliefs for, I'd probably say, like three or four years at least. Okay. Now, at 18, did you, because you were married, when, when did you meet your husband? I met him in the beginning of the year when I was 18, and I think we got married by the end of the year. Okay, all right. And then, uh, so was that, what kind of a relationship was that? Um, in the beginning, it wasn't bad, but people kind of hide their true colors sometimes. It was a very abusive relationship, mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, and we were together for about eight years. Uh, four of them, he was in prison, but uh, it was a very dark place. Yeah. Yeah. So does that, I, I you know, I, I haven't done drugs, but I know that when you, when you, the buzz that you get initially is not, you know, the next time, the next time that you do it, it takes a little bit more. Is that what you found happened with you as you started to use? Yeah. So you gradually have to use more to try and get to the place that you, uh, felt the first time. Um, of course, I was using to stay numb, so um, it definitely increased and got worse over the years. Yeah, yeah. So, so what were you, what were you uh, paying a day? Um, I was spending at least $100 a day. Um, wow. I was probably doing a gram of heroin a day. Wow. So that's, what, three, three grand a month, something like that? Wow. That's, a, that's quite a habit. And so what was happening at home? There was a season there where you were doing that, that you lived at the house. Are you guys picking up on some of this or at that time when she's using? Well, it's like death in your house, okay? There's such a darkness. You know, when you're living, for, when you're living in the world, you don't understand how dark it is. But when you are living for the Lord and, and chaos, darkness and chaos comes into your house, you know, okay? And um, I'll just say this, okay? There was such a darkness that I could not, um, it just got, there was so much chaos and so much craziness 
Okay, so to the, even to this day, because I didn't take it off, there was a deadbolt on our bedroom door. Okay, to just, to, just so you can try to figure out what kind of craziness was going on in our house. Um, there was a time where I came home and the SWAT team was in my front yard for two days. Okay, and that's the kind of craziness and chaos that we had going on in my house. You know, I come home from work and the SWAT team's in my front yard. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're armored up. I've got five people standing in my front yard. I said, <laughs> why are you here? Yeah. Well, there was a prison escape, which was her husband, and he's going to come here, I said. You know? <laughs> you know, welcome to my neighborhood, right? How, and, uh, how long was the SWAT team there? A couple days, you know? <laughs> he did show up. Yeah. You know? But wow. at that point, anyway, I don't want to ramble a lot. But it got to be such a point that I could not, I could not take a hug from my daughter. Hmm. Okay? Because every time she hugged me, all I could feel was death. If you don't, you know, if, living in the world, the spirit of death is real. Okay? And it hung on her. And when I would hug her, it was like I, I had to, it was so perfunctionary, you know? Like, like when you hug somebody and you really love them, it means something. When death hangs on you, it's just like it, 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 it repulses you. It's like I had to back away from her because it was so powerful and so deadly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, that went on for years. Yeah. Wow. And so, Mom, what are you, what are you doing during this time? I mean, how did you, because I'm sure you saw what was happening, and how did you begin to fight? Um, so I just went to prayer. Um, that's what I knew to do. So um, I just prayed and interceded for her. Um, and then I just loved her where she was at. Um, and that's kind of how I dealt with it because even at times fear would try to come or worry would try to come. And even at that time, I had to release that to God as well because yeah. it's like that's all I knew to do. Yeah. One thing you said the other day that I really liked was uh, you prayed for me how God seen me. Yes. Yeah. So you had to, had to learn how to look at her the way Jesus was looking at her. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so you obviously... You've, been married you moved out and you're and you're married and he's in prison now and and you're continuing to use when you said that you were arrested and I a, a few times don't know how many times what <laughs> I lost count of my arrests I have no idea how many times I've been arrested wow. um, the first time I was arrested I was 21 for DWI and all my charges after that were all drug charges uh I know to this day I have 80 years over my head um, if I ever get in trouble again. Uh, I'd probably say I've been arrested at least like 20 times. Yeah. Now you mentioned when we talked that you tried to run from the cops one time in a minivan or what were you? Um, yes. <laughs> I thought that was... We were in Tulsa and uh, we were driving a stolen minivan and I got in a high speed chase from them. But I did slow down at the intersections to make sure I didn't hit anybody. So the cop actually thanked me. <laughs> Police thanked you for that. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's, get to the, let's get to the good parts because I know I just, we just had to set up what's going on in your life, okay? So, um, so you go to prison. Uh, th was it three different times that you went yeah. to prison? I okay. Three times. All right, and when you were in the jail, ironically, when you were in the jail, uh, Kim's mom, Monica Moschel, who they have a jail ministry, they go, that's why they, they used to come to church here, but then after COVID, it opened back up, and they started going back in, and so you went to her, um, I, I don't know what they call it, like a Bible study? Church, church. service. It's a yeah. service. Yeah, and so. Anytime she was there, I would always go. Yeah. You could always tell how much she cared and like loved everybody in there, um, and that made a big difference for me. Wow, wow! So something began to transition, though. You said in in prison. Talk a little bit about that. What began to happen? Um, so I think the biggest thing for me is it set me down to where I had time and quiet, um, so I wasn't stuck in the middle of all the chaos. And at the prison I was at, they had different church services come in every day of the week. Yeah. So, you know, I was going to different church services, and I was starting to be able to get back to um, grow spiritually. 
Well, I know you prayed a prayer, you know, as a young child. I did too, and received Jesus, but really didn't have much understanding. Did you feel like then you were starting to get a, a clear understanding of who Jesus was and your relationship with him? Or Yeah, I feel like at that point I had more of an experience in being able to build a relationship with him yeah. versus it being superficial. Yeah. Okay, and then you did talk about suicide that, that you... So throughout all the time I was using, I'd say I tried to commit suicide at least three or four times. Um, I had multiple overdoses to the point where um, my parents got a phone call that said I wasn't going to live. The doctor thought I was going to die. Wow. Um, I had a lot of close calls. Yeah. So you progressed. So, so what's the progression here from uh, heroin to opioids? Is that right? Um, it was opiates first. Oh, okay. And pills, and then it was heroin, and then it went to fentanyl. Okay. Well, that's interesting because this happened um, to Nicole and I just last week. <laughs> that um, This is, Louis Therese wrote these books right here. Louis Therese is a guy that was saved at Teen Challenge when Nicole's parents were, uh, they started Teen Challenge in Philadelphia. And when they were running it, he was one of the, he was one of the characters that they brought him to rehabilitate. Well, he got so turned on to God that he now pastors in Oklahoma. And so this book, which we're going to make available to all of you while supplies last, I don't think we have enough for every single person, but one per household. If you want his testimony, which is an easy read, and it talks about Nicole's dad in here and what happened in his life. But this was the interesting part to me that I got these books at the same time as he wrote one, which is available to you as well, Defeating Addiction. And we're not charging you for him. He sent them to us for free. We told him that we were going to give them away today. But he had, he had a chapter in here on fentanyl, which was really interesting because fentanyl, it only takes, he says down here, uh, one kilo of fentanyl can kill 500,000 people and as little as two milligrams can cause the death of one person. It's 100 times more potent than heroin. And you're, how often are you doing this? I was using <clears throat> probably up to a half a gram or a gram of fentanyl a day whenever I transitioned to that. Wow. He also says in here that, yeah, that's, that's what Prince died from, the guy of Prince. He talks about it in here. But, okay, so, so, you're, uh, so, you, so then you go to prison the third time. Now, is this where you're beginning to start to come to yourself? Yes, it was the third time. Yeah. And so what happened when you got out the third time? Um, I moved in with one of my friends for a short period of time, and then I moved back in with my parents. Okay. So how are you guys with this at this point? Oh, no. Okay, I want to bring this out. Sorry, before I jump there. Because you guys talked about how you began to pray for her. But God began to do some really cool things in the process of all this mess. What were some of those things? Like you had one with a prosecuting attorney that happened. You had a few others. What, tell us what happened. You probably should tell um, So with the prosecuting attorney, it was after I'd been in trouble quite a few times already. Um, and they wanted to send me back to prison. And the prosecuting attorney, whenever they were doing that, stood up and said that he wanted them to give me another chance, which obviously is the opposite of what his job is. <laughs> this, wow. Wow. Mama praying. Come on. Now, at this point, at this point, okay, when you, um, when there is so much chaos and so much darkness reeling around, Right, and I, and I could, I couldn't separate the spirits from the person. Okay, so if the person disappeared, the chaos disappeared. Right, you, you understand what I'm saying? So I, I I had to separate myself from my daughter. I could not. I mean, I was I was done, and 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 part of the reason is every time I could see the game. I you know I mean I I just kind of I, I walk kind of spiritually. So I, every time she opened her mouth, I knew it was a lie. 
and I'm not being rough on my daughter, okay? This is just the spirits that are on her, okay? I'm just being real here. Every time she opened her mouth, it was a lie. Every time she said something to my wife, it was a lie. It was manipulation and control, okay? She was, she was codependent, as codependent on her as she was dependent on fentanyl, okay? So I'm watching this, right? And it, it's just like, it, it vexed me so hard that I, I, I had to break that relationship. I could not, I don't think I talked to her. Our relationship went dead. Okay, I, did, I don't think I talked to her for two years, okay, at least two years. I couldn't because of, this is my wife, okay, this is the one that I'm betrothed to, right? And I would watch, I would watch a person walk into my house, take her, open her chest, take her heart out, throw it on the ground, stomp on it, put it back in there, close the door, and walk out the door again, come home and rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, and I, and I became so angry at, at the damage that she was doing to my wife, you know, and I just, I just exited the room. We talked, we talked about that scripture, and I wrote it down in 1 Corinthians 5, you know, where it says, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that their spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, and was that kind of what you were where you were at? That was the best I could do. That was the best I could do at that point. And um, what came later? What came later was we we talked. Okay, we started to talk about this, and we started to come into agreement as parents that um, it was before her. I think it was before your third prison sentence that we had come into agreement that we had to release her. We just had to disconnect, and we had to let her walk out the door, and we. We closed our door. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We wow. closed the door to our house. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's, that's awful. That's not love. It was love. You need to understand that was love. Because everything that we did to try to help her and try to ease the pain continued the process. Because we enabled her to keep doing what she was doing. All the prisons. You know what? It, let me just say this, okay? This is just one thing that really stunned me. Um, okay, so one time she'd been gone for an extended period of time, right? So I thought, well, I'll just see if she's in jail, right? And it's public record. You can pull it up and you can find out. And, and, I, and I hit this button, right? And I get there. And you would think that there was one picture of her. Okay, every time that they have a, every time you're arrested, they take your, your photograph and they put it online. Okay, every time. So when I hit the button, there was this whole block of my daughter's face, you know? And I'm like looking at this going, oh my gosh, you know? But let me just tell you, every picture was a picture of my daughter that was hanging with death. There wasn't one ounce of life in any of those pictures. It was absolute death. And I, and I was, it just, you know, I'm a man and I'm, I'm kind of hard, right? Well, it used to be hard. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is to see your, your, the, those pictures, man? Do you know what it is to watch one of your, your children dying right in before your eyes? It's an incredible thing. It, it is so wrenching. And so it's torture, you know? But anyway, back to the release. Okay, so we came into agreement, okay? And we shut the door. And it was a very short time after that that she was arrested, okay? And then... God started accelerating things in her life. I mean, we just started seeing God doing crazy things in the courtrooms. Okay, that prosecutor, when was the last time you ever seen a prosecutor stand up and say, I think we need to give that person one more chance? Any of you ever hear that? Their job is to put people in jail. Yeah. That's what they do. You know, that was one thing that just, we just looked at each other and said, that's God. Yeah. You know? Wow. But let me tell you. What about, what about you, Linda? I mean, so Gary's, Gary's saying, hey, we need to release her. We need to just close the door. We need to sever ties. I mean, your mom. <laughs> and, I mean, what was that like for you? Um, so it was really hard to release her because I had the compassion for her. And I was like, okay, but I felt I needed to do that so that God could move. And so once we released her, the awesome thing, God just like, started stepping in and started doing things and that was the awesome thing so yeah yeah so how long was each prison sentence um the first two were really short they were only i was laying there for like three or four months um the last one was a year okay so you come out and you now you're living with your parents again mm -hmm. then then what 
happens at that point, especially spiritually in your walk with God? Um, I think it still took a little bit for me to continue to um, push in to grow with my relationship, um, but it was completely different than before. Whenever I went to church before, it was just kind of, I was just going, you know, like I said, it was kind of more superficial. Um, but after that third prison sentence, it was definitely different. Yeah. So you, you began to pursue him mm-hmm. in your life. And then, so you got some news about um, a pending sentence coming. What, what was that? So I was in Washington County Drug Court. Um, and I think I'd already been in Washington County Drug Court for about nine or ten months, maybe mm-hmm. even a year. Um, and, of course, I was doing really well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I got news from my probation officer that I had three Class Y deliveries of fentanyl, which a Class Y is 25 years to life per charge. So I had three of them that they wanted to hit me with that I had delivered before I was even in drug court. Wow. And so they let you know about that in the mail, or how did they? Um, so the detective called my PO and wanted her to call me into her office and arrest me, and she disagreed with what he wanted. Um, she told him that I was doing well, and the judge of drug court actually called the detective herself and talked to him. And Wow. Yeah. So... Um, he finally agreed to, as long as I graduated drug court and continued to do well, that they would leave me alone on those charges. Wow. You need to understand a crap class Y felony is in Arkansas is the same as capital murder. It, it, it's got the same thing. Just so you understand. Yeah. Yeah. How serious those charges were. And so now, so let's, let's bring everybody to today. Um, because now, um, this is the girl that wouldn't talk to you before. You, you guys couldn't have a conversa- conversation without fighting uh, that you mentioned the other night or you know, just you know, getting upset. What's your relationship now like with your parents? But more importantly, what's your relationship like with God? And how are you pursuing God with your parents, like, you know, when, now, that, now that you're back at home? Um, so my relationship with my parents is completely different, 100%. Um, before, like they said, I was kind of dead, so I really didn't have emotion. So there wasn't a way to have a relationship with them. But uh, it's 100% better now. Um, we watch a lot of speakers, and um, you know, we'll share different things that we've read, stuff like that. Um, and of course, I pop in here every once in a while. Um, yeah. But I think I would have been dead without their prayers standing in the gap for me. Wow, wow, wow! And then, what about you guys? I'm encouraged by what God's done in Kayla's life and in our life. Um, I'm encouraged by the relationship that he restored between Gary and Kayla and um, that he just put her feet back on solid ground. And I think that's awesome. Um, I just give God all the glory. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So, so I want to ask one last question, and then I want to mention a couple of things um, to the people that are here. But um, uh, what would you say to people that might be here or that are watching or listening that are going through what you were going through? If you're going to send a message, what would you like to say to them? To the parents or the... The young adults that, are, that may be going through what you went through. Maybe they've gone through a traumatic experience and it's rocked their world like, like you did. Um, I would just say to uh, definitely hold on to your faith and keep pushing through. Um, you know, nothing's... Stuff like that isn't easy. Um, but there is a way to get through it uh, without, you know, turning away like I did. Yeah, yeah. Come back to God. What about you guys? What would you say to parents 
that are believing for wayward kids to come home that they're, they're having difficulty seeing hope because that's where you guys were. what would we say to the kids? No, to your to, to, parents. to parents, yeah. Um, to the parents, I guess I would just encourage them to keep your relationship strong with the Lord. Um, just get in his presence and, and listen for his voice. Um, be attentive to what he says and continue to intercede and pray for your children um, and just love them where they're at um, and just release them to God because when you release them, God can work. Mm. Wow, That's so good. The one thing that really changed me is, you know, I would, I would look at my wife and she would, this is, this is a prayer warrior right here. Okay. So my wife, she, she would just always be praying for our daughter. And, and I would just, you know, like I said, in that point of darkness and vexation, man, I would just, I would look at her and she'd go, I, you know, I, and she said about the same thing. She goes, you know, I, I try to see her as God sees her, you know? as a masterpiece, as a precious creation, and to stand on that. And she would just stand on that, and it would awe me, you know. But it was because of that that it brought me back into that place of um, prayer and that place of obedience, you know, just standing for our daughter, you know. And I, and I just want to encourage you in that. And, and we were talking about hope. And I'll, I'll just read this quick. I just want you to all understand, okay, so it doesn't necessarily have to be drugs. It can be anything, yeah. okay. And it can be anything that's, um, that the world can use. And, and what happens is parents or, or siblings, we become codependents. And, we, and without us knowing it, we start to um, enable them, thinking we're doing the best for them and thinking we're doing all the right things, but we're doing it in the flesh and not by the Spirit. And, as, and, I, and I'm, if I can just speak to anybody, you know, let, listen to God. Get still with God. Listen to what's going on. He'll tell you. He'll lead you. He, he, will, he knows what's best. Okay? You will start seeing miracles happen. Okay? I mean, we don't even have time. That I, I don't even have time to try to explain to you what went on in her life. We, get, we, had to, we got to stand there as parents, you know, and, and our jaws would drop. Okay? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, for real, man. You know? It's like probably the most precious thing for me is I can hug my daughter now. <laughs> mm. so precious so I just want to leave you with this okay Proverbs thirteen twelve. hope deferred makes the heart sick but when the desire comes it is a tree of life don't lose hope don't ever lose hope Proverbs fourteen twelve. there is a way that seems right to a man but its end will lead to death and that's what I was just saying okay we think we're doing right but it will kill them, okay? God, okay, there's an old TV show, Father Knows Best, okay? You lay it at his feet. You lay those people at his feet and you let go, okay? Because we can't fix them, okay? But he knows exactly what to do. He knows ex exactly how to move and he knows exactly where to put them to start with prayer. And I'll, and I'll just, let me just say this, okay? Can I say a couple more things? Yeah. When our hope is in the person getting well, Despair and discouragement come. But when our eyes are on Jesus to come and bring healing and restoration, our hope and faith don't waver. Okay? It's where we put it, our eyes. And our eyes always need to be upon him. And we need to trust him. Even when it gets absolutely ugly, yeah. absolutely black, okay? you need to keep your eyes up. You need to keep your eyes up. And here's one other thing, okay? I just want to mention her fiancé, Jeff. Okay, he's recovering as well, man. He's been recovering for over a year. Awesome man of God. Yeah? Okay? And, and the only reason I would point that out is because it doesn't always end in death and, and destruction, okay? Because God's able, and it's just allowing him in to do what he needs to do. And it's in anything, okay? So just trust him, have faith in him, and don't lose your hope in the people because... He wants them 
saved. He wants to breathe life into them by the, His Spirit more than we do. Yeah. One thing I liked that you said was that it, it, when we talked the other day was that it was a, it, there wasn't a miracle pill that happened in your life, but it was a progressive change where you begin to slowly turn, you know, and God is so interested in process, the, the process of us turning and, and moving in the right direction. I just want to mention a couple of things, and then I'm going to ask them to pray uh, over us. And, and a couple of things that I wanted to, I wanted to go back to the statement I made about culture. The culture teaches that when your kids become a teenager, to give them space, you know, and let them, let them do their thing. And when Nicole and I were pregnant with Rebecca, I remember a guy named Ron Luce. How many of you remember Ron Luce? Okay. He came and he spoke at our church. And at that time, he had a, he had a national youth ministry uh, going on. And, and he said, you know, this is what culture tells you is to make room for them. Just give them their space. He said, but let me encourage you to do exactly the opposite. Lean in. Because this is the age. This is the time where they need you the most. They're going through so much change physically, mentally, spiritually. All this stuff is coming at them. They're trying to figure out who they are. They still need a parent that's willing to lean in and to be a parent at a new level. Now, as as parents, we have to transition the way that we are with our kids as they get older and not just keep continue to treat them like they're five, seven, eight, nine, ten. But I want to encourage you with your kids. Here's the other thing I wanted to encourage you in, and that's this. I was so glad Pastor Billy Joe Doherty at Victory in Tulsa said this and put me in remembrance of this when we, when we got married and we started thinking about our family, thinking about having kids. And he made this statement that Jesus said often, which was according to your faith, be it done unto you. As a parent, especially if you're a parent in here with littles, According to your faith, it will be done unto you. So what I realized was in the Bible, I saw people like Joseph, uh, like David, like Samuel, like Elijah, like Elisha, men that never pulled away from God but served God all the days of their life. And I realized our kids can have that same experience. They can serve God all the days of their life. They don't have to have this time where they just absolutely reject Jesus and turn and go the opposite direction. It doesn't have to be like that. And so what Nicole began to do was she be, we began to pray over our kids together as babies. And we would declare over them, you will serve God all. Getting, thanks, I'm getting choked up like you. Um, all the days of your life. And we began to pray that over our kids. We began to pray for their spouses. Now, at first I wasn't a fan. Becca was a month old. Nicole's already praying for her husband. But then I dawned on me, wait a minute. I need to join in here. I need to pray. And God, what did God do? He brought Joshua Calm, this amazing young man. They're in ministry together now in Tulsa, ironically doing what we did 30 years ago young adult pastors, and, and God is using them. So I want to mention that to you, but I also want to mention this to you. This is just my 10 cents. As a parent, don't use the phrase, avoid the phrase, because I said so. Yep. Always explain to your kids the why behind what you're doing, behind the decision that you're making. This is why we're doing this. You know, because that way you're bringing them with you into the cause, into the purpose. Does that make sense? I, that's my 10 cents. I just wanted to throw that at you. But here's what I want to do. Um, because the anointing is here. You can tell just by what we talked about that God has done something very special through Gary and Linda. And he's done something extremely special in their daughter, Kayla, in her fiance. Look at what God is doing today. And look at the result. So if you're a parent in here and you have a wayward child and you're believing God, what I felt I wanted to do was I wanted to give Gary and Linda an opportunity to pray over you. I'm not gonna have you come forward, but I would like you to just stand where you are and just say, yeah, that's me. I'm believing God. We're standing in faith and we're believing for wayward children to come back. Because man, the anointing is on them. Also, if maybe you're where Kayla was, maybe you're hooked on an addiction, because let me tell you, how long does it take to come off of 
heroin, for instance? A couple weeks? Yeah, probably about a week and a half. Week and a half? And uh, she, you said it's like you feel like you're dying. Yeah. Which is, and, and that's why they go back and they have, they take some more because it gets them past that. And so, you know, if that's the case, that they'll never get off of it. But the Holy Spirit is here to help you break addiction this morning. And if that's you and you have an addiction in your life, you have something that's been holding you bondage to it and you say, I'm done, I just want free. If that's you, I want you to stand. I want you to stand, yeah. Be bold, be bold. If you're struggling with something, it's a good time. This is it, this is your day. It's a good time. This is your moment, amen? Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Well, here's what I'm gonna do. Um, Gary and Lynn, I'm gonna have you step up here and I'm gonna have you pray first. And uh, I want you to pray over the parents that are believing for their kids. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Those of you around them, put your hands on them. Let's agree with them together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, as you feel led, Lynn. So, Father, we just come before you, Lord. And, Father, today I thank you for those parents, Lord, um, who have wayward children, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are not a respecter of persons, God. I thank you, God, that your will is for their children to come to you, God to come into your kingdom, God, and to know you, God. So, Father, we just call their children forth this day, and we stand in the gap for them, and we thank you for your promise to be fulfilled in their children's life and in their life, God. And, Father, we ask for your peace in their hearts, God, and we ask, God, that you would draw them ever near to you, God, and just to rely and trust on you in every situation, regardless of what it looks like, God. We thank you that you are able in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Yeah, before Gary prays, can somebody step back with Steve and Cheryl? I don't want them to be alone in this either. Thank you, Lord. We just love you. I don't want to see you standing alone. Yeah. Go ahead, Gary. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I, I, right now, I just come into agreement with, with uh, my wife. Well, I just pray, God, for all of the wayward ones, God. Father, I just pray right now, God, that we just... We just silence and break the bond that the wicked one and that and the enemy has put over them god we just ask god that you would just stuff their ears and that father that they wouldn't hear the enemy's voice but they would start to hear your voice thank you father, and father god that you would just lead them up and lead them home god just yes. like the prodigal son god yes. god that their eyes would be open god and they would see that they're standing in a pig pen eating pea pods so, yeah. Father, I just thank you for that in Jesus' name, God, that Jesus. those things that they're holding to that are so precious, God, would start burning their hands thank you, in Father. Jesus' name. And, Father, I pray right now, God, for all of those that are struggling with an addiction, God, yes. in this place, God, whether yes. they're standing up or they're not, God, we just come against that thing, so God, the very thing that's holding them in Jesus' name. And, Father, thank God, you, Father. we just speak life over that, yes. that that thing has to let go right now in Jesus' name. Yes. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we just ask that that thing, that that thing that is holding them, that bondage is broken that that chain is broken yes. that that stranglehold is broken in Jesus name Thank you, and God that there is Holy Spirit I ask that you just breathe into that place and you bring a truth God you bring life God you bring light God because the darkness will not stay where light is so Father I thank you right now God whether it's uh drugs, whether it's pornography, God, whether it's crime, whether it's lying, it doesn't matter. It's a sin of sin. So, Father, I thank you that those bondages are broken. And, Father, today we give you honor, glory, and praise for your victory in this church and in each and every life, God, and each and every parent. God, I thank you for each and every parent, God, that they will be led by peace. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Kayla, could you pray for these three guys right here? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Lord, I just thank you for anyone struggling with addiction in here, that those chains would be broken, and that you'd give their minds peace, and that you'd give them strength to keep pushing through. I just thank you so much for healing and filling that void. Thank you, Father. Lord, we give you glory now all around the room. God, we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you thanksgiving, God. Thank you you. that we're free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We give you glory and praise. Thank you, Jesus.
believing for your kids you have scriptures that you've written down maybe you've got them hanging on your on your fridge or in your bedroom or on your vision board or wherever let me encourage you stay steady be steadfast refuse to give up refuse to give up this was what a 10 year how long from 18 to 28 okay 10 year 10 year process I'm not speaking that over your child but I'm saying, look at the steadiness, look at the steadfastness, look at the unwillingness to let that go. But they had to release them into God's hand. That's something else that we need to do as parents as well. Just say that out loud with me. Father, I release them into your hands. Oh, thank you, God. There's no safer place. There's no better place. Thank you, Father. God, we love you. So grateful. So grateful. Would you help me thank Linda and Gary and Kayla? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. A couple of things that I heard that I wanted to, to speak into was when the Holy Spirit, Gary, was, was telling you, was speaking to you, you didn't have the answer. You didn't know what it was. And the culture would say, don't spy on your kids. Give them, give them space. Don't accuse your kids. And what, what Holy Spirit was saying, we need to parent on purpose. And we need to hold those that we love accountable. Now, how do we do that without bringing up their past because so many times that that brings us to a place well I'm going to hold them accountable because there's fear involved that they don't do it again follow me and I, there, I, there was a point in my life that I was like how do I hold my children accountable without bringing up their past and and I asked a, a, a spiritual leader and they said I, I don't I don't know I, so I went to prayer and whatever you ask God, he will answer you. He, he has got the answers. And so that afternoon, God said, I don't bring up your past. So why, why would you bring up your child's past? And I said, well, show me. What do you mean? So God holds me accountable for right now and from here forward. That's how you biblically hold someone accountable. You forget their past. It's a brand new day every day. But I told my children, if I see you, I'm holding you accountable today. And if I see you pulling away, if I feel there's something there, I'm going to step in. We're going to step in as parents. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to get to the root of it. And all through this morning, I also heard scriptures. And when you brought out those scriptures, that's the steps. That's the, that, that's the how did you come back together? What does your relationship look like now? You feed on the word. Yes. You feed on the word. And that's one thing about this book. This is for not just for someone in addictions and life controlling problems, but it's for parents to help feed you with good understanding. And it's good to give someone who is in the thick of it, who doesn't know how to pull themselves out by their own bootstraps. So this is a really good tool to put in your tool belt. So I highly recommend that. But, But parents, parents of littles, parent on purpose. God gave those children to you to lead them. We need to pastor on purpose. If we've sent something in the spirit with someone, we're just we're going to lean in. We're going to say, "Hey, what's going on? Hey, let's talk about. It. Let's pray about this." And and it's our job as par- pastor, parent, you know, to give the word. Hey, what scripture are you standing on for this situation? You need a healing in your body. What scripture are you standing on? Or as I'm reading, I, I get a scripture. And I think, oh, this has so and so's name on it. 
It's the word that works. It's the word that brings the health. It's the word that brings the hope. And this book, I, I text Pastor, uh, Pastor uh, Torres this morning, and I said, thank you for sowing into it. Just out of the blue, about two weeks ago, he, he texted me, and he said, hey, do you have my new book? And how many would you like? And I just shot him out a number because I didn't know. You can't have these because they're autographed. But, but this book, you know, I read this years and years ago, and I skimmed it again last night. It's a wonderful testimony of how God changed his life. He was right up there with Nikki Cruz in, in, on, on the streets of, of New York City. He was in Philadelphia, New Jersey. Hard stuff. Hard stuff to listen to. Hard stuff to read. But this is happening every day. Yeah. This is happening every day in churches. Yeah. No church is exempt. As long as there's people, there's problems. Because the enemy is out to steal the word. He's out to steal the word in you, to take your identity. See, identity comes from the father. Unconditional love comes from the mama. We heard that. We saw that. But our identity, that's why there's, uh, he, the enemy is after identity. Are you a boy? You're a girl. You're an it. You're a what? You're whatever. Because he, the enemy, wants to, wanted to be like God. And every time the enemy sees us, we are created in the image of God. So, duh, that's why the enemy is trying to take us out. But my Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way. So we can't get lost as long as we're holding on to Jesus. Fall forward to Jesus. Yeah. He's, he's the truth. So we cannot be deceived. And how can we not be deceived? By being doers of the word. Learning and hearing what we're doing today, taking it out, sharing with someone else. Hey, I heard this today. Let's do this. And he's the life. So you can't be taken out early, babe. Holding on to the way, the truth, and the life. We all have to do this. This is not just for special cases. This is for kids who have grown up with God, in church, loving Him every day. Have I made every decision right? No. I'm one decision away from being wrong. That's why we need people around us, people of like faith, people who love Jesus, who are going to say, hey, let's go to the Word.